Hello, this is the trailer for season one of Folk on Foot, and in a minute I'm going to play you three extracts from the podcast featuring Corrine Polwart, Steve Knightley of Show of Hands, and the Young'uns. But I wanted to start by introducing you to the Folk on Foot theme. We're really proud of it, and we commissioned it from that wonderful Scottish fiddle player, producer and composer John McCusker. We've used it as a soundtrack for the Folk on Foot film, which you can see on our website at folkonfoot.com. And we're going to play the theme at the start and end of every episode. So here it is. Season one of Folk on Foot is going to feature some of the finest folk musicians of our age, walking, talking and singing in the landscapes that have inspired them. I've had a wonderful time crisscrossing the country to be given private concerts in some amazing settings. Folk singer of the year Corrine Polwood took us to Fallow Moor, near her home in Midlothian, just south of Edinburgh. The birds were nearly as vocal as she was. I want to know what the words are, or what the words were, for these birds, and I want to know what the birds meant and what the myth and symbolism around all of those creatures was, because I think that's also significant. I mean, the curlew that we've just heard, in in English lore, the curlew is one of the seven whistlers, along with the golden plover, which is another bird you would hear here, and the seven seven whistling birds. Here he comes, gosh, he's so close. Here he is. Amazing. But there are seven birds with a very similar doleful, plaintive cry, and this is interesting, because to me... Carlos and plovers sound sad, and l- skylarks sound happy. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's true. like you're it's making true. those, and they're just like they're connections that you're making purely based upon the meaning you're attaching to the sound that you hear. Um, and so the the plover and the curlew are one of the seven seven whistlers, and they're said to that when the seven whistlers all sing together, the end of the world is here. So. Good job we've only got one of them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this one's flying in circles very close yeah, to us, isn't it? Yeah, well, he's, they're maybe nesting and maybe, maybe he's a little bit anxious. So, gosh, have I got... I don't have any curlews. Get my, I'll get my wee... Kareem, you've got a bag as well as the guitar case. You've brought a bag. Have you got something interesting in there? Yeah. Yes. Have it's a song. Clark's shoebox. So what's this instrument you've taken out of the Clark's shoebox? It's called a sansula. Um, so it's a... It's an adaptation of various um, West African thumb pianos, like Mbira, Kalimba, um, but it's been given a kind of resonating skin. So that's made of wood, is it? It's made of wood. This is made of uh, a calf skin, maybe. I'm not sure what the top is, but it has a... And if you have it against the flat surface, it makes a beautiful kind of wah-wah sound. But I've got a little song which is inspired by the mood itself and actually it, it, one of the great things about coming to make a theatre piece 
is, is realising that as a folk singer I've got a little kind of karaoke jukebox in my head. So when I laid out the arc of the theatre piece, um, I was looking for songs that connected with different things and one of them was Heather. And of course Scottish traditional canon is full of songs about Heather. <laughs> Heather and Broom and Wynn are everywhere. So this is one of them and it's a song I learned from Alison McMorland, who's one of the greatest uh, tradition bearers. As I was walking down yon hill All on the summer's evening There I spied a bonnie lass Skipping barefoot through the heather Steve Knightley of Show of Hands is a proud Devonian and our walk began in Exmouth, scene of some of Steve's first ever gigs as a teenager. And he introduced us to local fisherman Dave Curley, who inspired one of Steve's most moving songs. For Folk on Foot, Steve sang it on Dave's fishing boat in Exmouth docks, with Dave telling the story behind it. OK, ready when you are. This actually happened to you. When did it happen to you? Uh, about 1997. I used to go out with my dad uh, commercial fishing. And we had nets and we'd go diving for scallops afterwards or one of us would go diving and one of us would do the nets. That particular incident, I just said to Steve one day, I said, this is what happened and he turned it into an amazing song. One November's noon We left the docks Heading southwest From Morecambe Rocks my dad and me, our nine to five. He used to steer, and I used to dive. It was a normal sort of day, and we dived every single day. And as my dad was sorting through the nets and taking all the bits of crab out and the fish, I went down for a dive. As he's sorting the net, he follows my boy along the surface so we know where we are. And we keep fairly limited area on a small reef about three miles out to sea where there's big pebbles and the scallops like to lay up in, under the pebbles. So over the side, I slowly went down A hundred below to where the sea waters brown But after an hour, I got low on when I surfaced again, but oh, his boat wasn't there. That particular day, as the wind picked up, my boy obviously went faster and faster away. My the dad's boat followed it along. When he came up from the nets to see where I was, he was noticed that we were quite close to the shore in Timmouth. And he thought, well, he must have been swimming like a marathon swimmer to go a mile away. He picked the boy up and there was no line on the end of it. You weren't attached to it? No, my boy had popped off. Where were you? Two miles back. The weather started to deteriorate quite quick. It was late in the day. Sun was going down. I came up and you normally pull the weight of yourself up on the boy. And I realised that the line was just coming down and there was no boy attached. So straight away I thought, oh, this might be trouble. It's my marker boy. Come untied and drifted away with his boat at his side. He looked at his watch, 
three miles to the south And he turned back again With his heart in his mouth But episode one of season one of Folk on Foot will feature the young'uns, Sean, David and Michael, winners of Best Album at this year's Radio 2 Folk Awards. They took us for a walk round the Hartlepool headland, singing and telling stories as we went. So we're walking towards a beacon now on the... On yes, the this is, yeah, this is the this is the, the town moor, and this is the home of the uh, the Headland Carnival, which every every summer gets transformed into a huge sort of party and fairground. And so, and and one of the things I was going to say to you is that if there has been a theme so far in the songs that you've sung for us, they've been quite melancholy. Do you know what I mean? Quite a few I, people have been lost at sea. I suppose so. Yeah. yeah. So, but this one. Hello. You're all right. Hello, yeah. Nice to see you. Yeah. This one is a bit of a laugh, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Well, yeah, Hartlepool's always... It's got this... You know, the history is, is part... One of our favourite stories from the headland is the story of the beacon, this great legend that comes from the time of the Spanish Armada when towns like Hartlepool on the coast would have had huge beacons that they would light in times of emergency to get the message across that an invasion was on the cards. And for some reason, according to the story, the mayor of Hartlepool lit his beacon way too early and this caused mass confusion all down the east coast of England. So the word got to Queen Elizabeth I, good Queen Bess, she sent him an angry letter saying there should be no more firing of the beacon. No more firing of the beacon. But because he was the mayor of Hartlepool and he had a few drinks, he misread the letter as no more frying of the bacon. <laughs> and he confiscated every frying pan on the headland and for years no one was allowed to fry bacon, sausage or black pudding. <laughs> I'll tell you a tale of a silly old man who confiscated all the frying pans. No more frying bacon, you silly old man. He was mistaken about the bacon and now our poor buddies, they are aching. No more frying bacon, you silly old man. Is there any truth well, in this? Well, yes, well, you, you might ask because... It's like you're making it up to me. Prove if the story is true, some workmen doing a job on St Hilda's Church in the Victorian times, a couple of hundred years later, discovered a whole stash of medieval frying pans buried underneath the soil there, proving the story to be true. So all because of the silly old man, Artley Pool had a frying pan ban. No more frying bacon, you silly old man. He was mistaken about the bacon, and now our poor buddies, they are aching. No more frying bacon, you silly old Join in, Matthew. Old man. He was mistaken about the bacon, and now our poor buddies, they are aching. No more frying bacon, you... So subscribe now to Folk on Foot wherever you get your podcasts or through our website at folkonfoot.com and sign up to our mailing list so we can keep you in touch with future episodes. It's going to be a great journey. Do join us on it. 